When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Friday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined down the line once again by Joel Sked. Hello, Joel. Hello, Craig. Hello. We're making kind of a habit out of this, uh, joining us, each other on a Friday with the use of a laptop, a microphone, Uber conference, and to count down the top 12 at one position in the Scottish Premiership at the moment, or... That when it when football was still a thing, and we've done goalkeepers, we've done fullbacks, so now we're on to centre backs. And before we start this, I should say goalkeepers was hard to try and find people to fit in to the top twelve. Fullbacks was it was easy enough to to fill it out, but there wasn't I don't think too many players leaving out that I was that kind of gutted by, and there was you know even some in there I was like hmm. I'm not even entirely sure they deserve to be here. But this centre-backs list, holy shit, I've left out so many players that I just assumed would have to be in my top 12 until I wrote them all out. And I was like, oh, there's, there's loads. There's absolutely loads. Yeah, so off off the top of my head, I, I picked out 19. And that was leaving, so I was still leaving out quite a few. And then looking at them, but, but then having to cut down the list, I realised that there's a lot of players on there, certainly the the players you'd expect to be well out in front at the top who've not had that great a season. Yeah. Or they've had moments, like I think everyone, almost everyone on this, on this list has moments where you thought, oh, it's a bad one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, either a bad one or where, or even other moments as well, we're thinking, no, oh, they're not having a great season maybe. And then have, they've all had storming games at some point as well and it's just, uh, it's just a nightmare. So let's just get into it. Number 12. Now I'm going to go first this time because I'm going to cheat. 
I hate when other people do this, but okay. I'm only allowing it because it's me and it's number 12. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it like Graham's done times before when you get to like number five and he's got two players. I know exactly what you're about to do. Do you? Yeah. I've got, I've got Jason Kerr and Jamie McCart. Yes, so they're my 12 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> I, I should have I done that because I was looking at the list when I was so uh, once I'd whittled it down from 19 to 12 uh, I did it from 1st to 12 and then realised when I got to the last two oh I'm left with two St Johnson players do I include both or so I, and I thought stuff it I'll include both yes yeah I've yeah I've, well I've included both but on a cheat and so Jamie McCarthy has been very impressive since he came in in January. He's he's kind of shown high on a, like a lot of statistics. Like he's good in the air. He's he gets a lot of interceptions, which suggests he's got good anticipation, good positioning. He, he has a lot of sh- shots blocked. He maybe fouls a little high, but then that that kind of suggests that he is a kind of committed defender, and he has a lot of headed attempts as well. So he's somebody who certainly imposes himself on games. He certainly proved. That's in Johnson backline, and Jason Kerr, who was high up in last season's list, has not had a great season, but he has improved since Jamie McCart came into the club. So I wondered whether I, I just couldn't decide out of the two, am I going to reward Jamie McCart that much by bringing him in and dropping Kerr completely, and am I therefore also going to punish Kerr by the fact that he didn't really have a, a, a I mean, a, a good set and a half partner beside him. I mean, Liam Gordon's there, but Liam Gordon's okay. And even then, he's, he's missed some time this season with injury. And, you know, Wallace stuff, he's not been up to much at, at centre back. And obviously, Mads Veeman was, was very poor. And St. Johnson themselves were poor in the first half of the season. So that would obviously affect Kerr's performance. So I didn't think he decided to deserve to drop out the top 12. But I really wanted to pick my cart because he's just been excellent since he came in. So I couldn't, do it, couldn't separate them. So they're both going in. Yeah, so that's what I was I was toying with because there's some defenders who have left out because I've not maybe seen them as much or they've had a small sample size, especially domestically, hint hint to Rangers. But with McCart, as soon as as soon as he came in, you look at how much St Johnson improved. So if you bring up if you bring up St Johnson's results, uh, so he's played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's played in ten games. For St Johnston since he came in, they've lost two of those, and they're both against Celtic. They've kept one, two, three, uh, three clean sheets, which doesn't sound much, but considering that they kept one in about fifteen league games or something, uh, uh, it's it's a massive improvement. The big thing that struck me was how how composed as a defender he is. Maybe not not in the sense that he's he's excellent on the ball. He's uh, um, kind of like spraying passes. I think he has uh, definite ability on the ball, but I mean, in everything he does, well, it's tackling, it's heading, uh, everything looks quite smooth at what it, at what he does. And I don't think it's any surprise that as soon as he's came into the, the back line, that there's been, a, uh, they, they've almost settled. Uh, St. Johnson have looked a bit more of St. Johnson of old. Tommy Wright's wanting them to get back to after such a disastrous start. And then, as you mentioned, it's had such a positive effect on Jason Kerr that he has been able to showcase his driving ability from the back. You've noticed it in the Motherwell win, uh, I think it was the midweek win, where he set up the winning goal. And with McCart, maybe the, uh, the 
switched to back three has really freed up Kerr, who the reason I've probably kept them in and not kind of combined them together is I think uh, yeah, I think he's um, a, a superb player who I uh, I've, ever since he start, uh, came in at St. Johnson, I've rated very highly and uh, I probably just about deserves uh, to, to sneak into the list. Right, so you, so right, sorry, just to remind me, so it's Kerr at number 12 and McCarter at 11? Yes. Right, uh, do you want to talk, yeah, you've talked about both of them, so I'll just give my number 11 now then. My number 11 is Ryan Porteous. Okay, at the moment we've got a very, very similar list because uh, Porteous is number 10 for me. <laughs> I wonder where we're going to differ. Well, I, actually, I know one player that I've not got on yours, which you'll definitely have, uh, because we've talked about this before. And uh, Well, we'll get to it when, when you come on. Uh, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give your in- incredulity away. But yeah, I've got a, a Porteous at 11. He could have been higher. There's a few players here. Like I'm looking down my list. So from 11 to like 6, I think I could have ordered them in just about any way. And I think I had ordered them differently before and just decided to change it like last minute. So Porteous falls down to 11. One of the reasons why, and I'm going to take off points for another player that we'll get to soon enough as well, uh, that I've got maybe as low is injury problems are a bit of a concern with me. That's is now, he's got two serious injuries in the space of a year. In fact, I think they're also linked as well, aren't they? If I remember correctly. And that does take away points because if you're going to be injured a lot, then it's not much, all your other talents aren't much use. And I know he's young and this might be the only injury problems he has in his career or for the next, you know, five years or whatever, but it's a small sample size with him at the moment. So I have to kind of take points away for that. But to talk about his good things, I mean, he's a really kind of strapping, strong young laddie. He's committed as fuck. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. <laughs> An old school defender, lots of heart. I mean, crunches into tackles. Uh, but he's not just that. He's also he's very fast for a second and a half. And he's somebody who can also run the ball out of play from defence. Maybe not the, the most subtle of footballers when he has the ball uh, in terms of maybe he's touching his passing. But he's happy to drive it out. And I think even just having that ability is a great thing for, for a centre-back to have. We're, we all know he's, he's, he's downsides. He's too rash at times. Uh, he lets his aggression get the better of him uh, at certain points, especially if the game isn't going his way. And he's had some daft red cards as a result. And one thing that was a bit surprising is that uh, looking at his stats in terms of his percentages of aerial challenges one, which was only 54%, which is rubbish, really bad. Mm-hmm. So he needs to get better at that. But I think there's a lot of games, a lot of aspects of his game he is good at. He's fourth in the league in, in interceptions. And one thing I was surprised at, because he does have his reputation as fouling quite a lot, but he only had 0.77 fouls per game, which uh, isn't very much for a set and a half. It's kind of low to average. And... He is. He gets fouled one point seven six times a game. So nearly, he gets fouled one time more a game than he get, than he than he fouls himself. And that's I, actually I think... first in the that's first in the league in centre backs. So he draws fouls from opposing forwards quite a lot. So that's quite a good skill to have. So you're saying he's from the Stephen Presley school of defending? That's that's a good school. <laughs> the. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't have his... Uh, well, I'm not going to go down that route. Hopefully, the, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't leave Hibs for Rangers uh, and then comes back to Easter Road and starts thumping his chest at the Rangers fans. 
Yes, but I, I was going to I was going to uh, frame it in or kind of phrase it in a more uh, vitriolic way. Uh, so I'm glad you stepped in. <laughs> Talking about Porteous, his his fouls, I think. I think what what kind of uh, gives his perception of being a very fouly player is the uh, is the fact that when he does foul, it's usually a bad one. He's 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 came in and he's missed the ball completely, and he's uh, he's uh, nearly done some damage, like he did to uh, Borna Barisic earlier on in the season. I actually think he is. I think there's there's more to his footballing ability than maybe you gave him credit for in terms of his. Um, his passing, I think, I think his passings can be quite progressive and is 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 quite direct, which is uh, which is ideal for for a centre back that he wants to. Because you, you look you look at his his all round game and you think, right, this is this is a boy who just wants to basically kick folk and kick the ball, but he doesn't. He when he when he does have the ball, he wants to use it and he wants to use it well defensively. He just needs to, I think he. Uh, it's straightforward, cut out the rash element of his game because I think when he stays on his feet, he doesn't overcommit. He's actually a very, very good uh, defender, especially in a one one v one situation where he is. You look at him; he's a very, very strong laddie. Oh yeah, yeah, he's incredibly strong, especially for somebody his age. Where in Scotland, in particular, it seems to take younger players, even defenders, years before they they look anything other than the side of a fiver. So he's certainly he's certainly good at that. So, shall uh, anything else to add on Portugal before we move on to my number ten? Since he is your number ten, uh, no, just basically the only reason I've have I've got him a wee bit further down is simply because of those uh, uh, those injury concerns. Other than that, I think there's elements of his game. As I said, he has to improve, but he's one of the most promising centre backs in Scotland. He'd probably been higher up and he certainly will, if he stays injured free, be much higher up in lists in, uh, in years to come. Okay, my number 10 is Scott McKenna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, uh, he's, he's not that much higher in my list. Not that much higher, okay. No. Yeah, we're not big Scott McKenna fans on this show. Uh, he did have that great season. And I've just not seen enough from him to suggest that he's continued, he's starting to slide down. I think maybe his first season, when he, he was excellent, I think we maybe even had him like third or fourth in our, in our list. He was very high, and he was very good that year. But since then, we've been quite critical of him, and I think with, with good reason. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. I think his, his defensive ability is just the kind of decision-making he makes around the box in terms of when to close down attackers, when to back off, when to try and make... Uh, went to try and put the boot in he just doesn't look as good as that as he did when he first broke through he's he's also not a great footballer and despite the fact he has a reputation for being a, a kind of no-nonsense clear line centre half he's not that good in the air either um, he's, he's got better at it he's 16th in the league this season with 68% but for somebody with his reputation he should be about 10 percentage points higher and he's not, he has, like I said, got better. I think he was worse last year, like 63 or, or something like that. But yeah, he's just not, <laughs> he's just, the, the reputation he has is just incredible. And the fact that he's pretty much like the first pick for Scotland as well. So that's Derek McInnes thinking he's brilliant. Steve, McClark, Steve Clark thinking he's brilliant. And I'm sure that he's still wanted by a few clubs in the championship. And it just, to me, it just all seems off the back of that one season. Now, I should probably say some nice things about him since he is still in the top 10. And what I will say is that he fights very well with opposing attackers, even ones that are quite physical. 
I think he's had some some great battles with Alfredo Morelos, and he really relishes that part of the game. He, he loves getting into a forward, uh, getting his hands on them, getting his body against them, just trying to use his strength to put them off in whatever way necessary to nick the ball away or to you know to force them into a bad touch. And it's probably why, and this is maybe this maybe speaks to why we especially don't rate him that much because we're Hearts fans and we we've seen the fact that every time he goes against Ichiak Piazu who's not going to make our top 12 forwards list, he really struggles. Because I think yeah. Itchy is the one striker in the league that's just too strong for him to, to win that physical battle. And he, he doesn't really know any other way of, of trying to approach him. And one other thing as well about McKenna is he is quite... Uh, he's fairly quick and athletic for a, for a big centre-back. But there's a, there's a long way to go to get back to the level he was at when he first burst onto the scene and to live up to, to the reputation he has. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure whether to, uh, to talk about him now or, or, or wait until I announce him. You, you can maybe wait a little. Okay. So we may as well go to you now for your number nine. So we'll switch it up. My number nine is Nikola Katic. I have him as well, but higher. Okay. Katic is... Is, is is an interesting one. Like coming back to what you said, the the next four players on your list could, uh, for me, could easily be interchangeable. McKenna could have easily be in this position, and a couple others could have easily been in this uh, this position. Katic, I think he has. When when you look at him as a as a defender's defender, he's absolutely excellent. But there's something in it where Rangers have sometimes struggled with him in the team where. Teams can if 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 he's in the if he's, if he's in the Rangers team, I think it, opposition teams can find it a wee bit easier to play against Rangers. Let him have the ball; he doesn't really know what to do with it. And I think, especially when you play for a team with like Rangers or Celtic, you're going to have the ball a lot. That is massive for a centre back to be able to um, to possess those qualities to be able to progress the ball, whether it is driving forward passing or just simply making the right decisions when to pass where to pass Nikola Katic doesn't have that in his game and that's that's the big uh, kind of the, the big warning sign across him because when you when you when you think to the kind of defensive duels going up against um strikers in a physical battle winning headers he is blocking shots he is that defender that he can you can rely on but when it comes to when it, when it comes to with the ball he probably the reason he's slipped down further than some other players is because of that responsibility, that pressure when you play for Rangers, that you need to be able to be brave on the ball and show that you kind of know what you're doing. That's not been the case with Katage, especially since the since the winter break. And it's not a surprise that sometimes he's dropped out for Edmondson. Yeah, he's, he is kind of prone to these bouts of poor form. He, he kind of... You know, dips up and down, which isn't really ideal for a centre back. Uh, but I, I have him higher. I've, I've got some nice things to say about him uh, coming up. Uh, do you want to say some nice things about him at the moment? I mean, you mentioned you mentioned, you mentioned blo- blocks and and uh, you know aerial power and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, will I move on to my the big thing now? is. Uh, so just uh, just to touch uh, finally touch on Cage is that he, reading about him, he's a very professional, uh, uh, he's, he's very professional, he wants to be the best he is, so I think he's got a very, very good attitude, and again, he's only 23, and still getting used to uh, Scottish football, but the weird thing is, he's got used to Scottish football in the aspect of the game where 
you, you sometimes see foreign, especially foreign players, struggling. It's just that developing that decision making when he has the ball. Okay, my number nine is John Suter. Oh, oh, I can't believe you put him in. Have you not? Have you not got him at all? I've not got a hardest player in this. <laughs> right, I don't there's want to be not, too... There's not one, there's not one heart centre back. Even Clement Dicamona deserves to be in this fucking list. <laughs> and of the three centre backs, Suter's the least deserving uh, recipient of this. Right, no, I think you're getting a bit carried away by recent form. Uh, Suter was very poor, but he was poor and then he got injured again. So one reason why he's down the list is uh, because he's injured so much. I think that Suter is a great talent, but... Sorry, go, before I get on to that, though. Yeah, he, he was bad in that wee spell before he got injured, like about five five games or so. But that's only five games. We've seen enough for John Suter to know that he's a very good Scottish Premiership centre-half. He's got immense talent, uh, immense potential. He's, he's played for Scotland. And he's playing on a team. He was also, not only was he, is he playing on a team that's really struggling, he's also playing on a team that just before he got injured it was kind of playing all-out attack all the time and kind of leaving their centre-halves stranded. Now, he, he could have covered himself more in glory than he, than he certainly did. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But it was, it was actually a game where he got injured where, where Stendhal actually said, right, let's be a bit more pragmatic. And then the defence looked a bit better for that point forward. So maybe he would would have, have, have played well in those games as well. Who knows? He might have played better than, than Dickamon. We don't know that. Uh, although I think Dickamon was a perfect player for the derby. But anyway... I still don't think we should be too harsh on him, considering what he's showed before in the past. And this is just a, a mental heart season. And people, moan, people, we've had, uh, we got a, a gripe on on Twitter about you know picking Hearts players, but I think first of all, we're not going to pick anybody from the Hearts midfield. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, and you know, maybe maybe a forward, <laughs> maybe maybe a forward or two. But the thing is, even if we do. And you're thinking, well, how are you picking so many players for the team bottom of the league? But everybody said this all season, that Hearts do have talented players. They're just an absolute shit show. So it kind of, it's that fine line where it's like, how, mu- how much do you judge the players on this? And how much do you mm-hmm. judge what's going on? The, the lack of, the, the, the lack of kind of harmony behind the scenes, the lack of cohesion, the, the lack of continuity. We're, we're working under three managers and none of the three managers necessarily cover themselves in glory. It's, I think it's very clear that Hearts have some, some good players. I mean, Craig Halkett, I think, last year on our list was like fifth. And he didn't even come... I bet you he wasn't even in your top 19. He was He was, uh, He was. was in the 19, but he was right. the first person scored out. <laughs> he wasn't even in my long list. So I yeah. think it's... Yeah, there's certainly talent at Tynecastle. It's just the fact that they've been badly mismanaged a lot of this season. I mean, some of the players... Yeah, I have to take responsibility for it, but I think uh, I don't think that even though he was poor for a wee stretch, I don't think John Suter's necessarily top of the list. So I, our group chat to let uh, people have a peek behind the curtain. Uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mistrust for John Suter, and I am don't get me wrong, I'm a massive fan of John Suter. One of the worst pieces I've written this season, and there's been a few was after the Ross County game when John Suter and Craig Halkett played together in a 0-0 game. They were tremendous together. And I wrote something something along the lines of uh, they could be the best partnership outside the old firm. 
And then as, as soon as I hit send on that, something happened and they just they just descended into farce. And John Stewart seems so edgy, kind of so shaky that even in the, the bits of the game, he seemed so confident and it just wasn't clicking. Like the crossfield balls usually just, they're very pinpoint. They're just going out of play. It was... It, the, the things that you expect from John Stewart weren't there. And now you mentioned potential. He's, he's now 23. He's going to be 24 in the first couple of months the next season. And you're just wondering when when is he going to have that consistency? When is he when is he going to turn potential into uh, into genuine talent? You look at you mentioned about Porteous's um, injuries and it's kind of gone against him. John Stewart's had four serious injuries. Yeah, yeah, that's, just, that's also why that's also why he's for, he's for them on the list. I, I still think he's talented enough to be higher on this list, and I, I don't want to be like I say. I'm not going to be harsh on him for this season. It's just the reason I ha- I would have him higher if not for the injuries. He gets injured every season and misses at least three months. So that's that's why that's why I've started to come around to the um, the, the suspicion side of things. I really like there's 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 a few players who in Scotland you just, you, you know you really want to do well. John Suter is one of those uh, one of those for me. But now it, it's right to actually question whether he, he is going to fulfil that abundance of potential he has because when as a Hearts fan when you're at a Hearts game you're kind of just waiting and uh, this sounds really bad but you're almost just waiting for his next injury yeah I mean that's that's probably fair especially since he's on two this season right who's your number nine my number eight. Oh, sorry have you said yeah you said your number eight right yeah. uh, it's on number nine so your number eight so my number eight is, is Scott McKenna right the uh, with, with McKenna I look at him and just think he is—he he should—he should just dominate. He should dominate in, in in Scottish football. Sometimes I think there are there are times where he does look a bit—I don't—I don't really want to say timid, but uh, not quite as dominant or forceful as his build, the way he plays football, he should be. But I still think there is kind of going back to our, our suitor point, that there is a, a really, really, really good defender in there who can be who can be nurtured. I do think he needs to leave Aberdeen to do that. I think we mentioned this before. And he's, I think he's, he's talked about it quite openly in the press that he's keen to leave Aberdeen. He handed in a transfer request. But also the, uh, his... Uh, his future has been hanging on him. He, just, he basically said that it's, it's affected his, his performances. So he is someone I would like to see go somewhere else and see if he does reach that next level. I think the fact that Brendan Rodgers was was so keen to bring him to uh, bring him to Celtic kind of kind of said a lot about him. Then again, Brendan Rodgers' uh, transfer dealings were a bit hit and miss <laughs> at, at Celtic Park. But you go back to you go back to something you said that McInnes. McInnes and Steve Clark are big fans of him. You look at him; he just he has the he he looks like he has all the different attributes to be a, a top class centre uh, centre back. He's lost his way, but on his day, everyone everyone in this in this division would like to have him at least in their squad. Most would certainly have him in in their team. Right, my number eight. I I'm, I don't know if you're going to have him at all. I'm just going to come out and say it. Right, you ready for this? Yep. Ash Taylor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, he was in my long list, and I 
I, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't pick three Aberdeen centre backs. And but I, I, I you're going to go on and speak to him, and I kind of, I've, I've, I don't really have anything against you picking him. Right. Yeah. So he came back. So we, we derided the 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 transfer when it was made. We didn't really think it made a lot of sense, but. I think he's actually been Aberdeen's best centre half of the season. I know you. I know you've got uh, fields of who the, the best centre half at Aberdeen is, uh, but I, I think he's been the best this season because he's come back and he's largely cut out the mistakes that held him back before. We we talked about Ashton. We were actually on the terrace. We were kind of bigger fans of Ashton than I think most Aberdeen fans were because he he, he did certainly have the talent to be a, a really good centre half. I mean, the guy is fucking massive. He's he's very tall and he's very broad and he's fairly athletic as well. He's not the quickest, but he's not he's not the biggest, you know, cumbersome diddy either. And we kind of I think maybe fell in love with that because he does have games where he'd be absolutely storming, and then but they'd have so many moments where he would have a, a massive brain fart. And, and I mean that challenge that he made at Celtic Park that time is just it's still hilarious. It was just so so bad, such a stupid thing to do, and he, he did used to do that a lot. The fact that he's come back a more mature player. It's allowing the aspects of his game to, to shine more. He, he's excellent in the air. He leads the entire league in the percentage of aerial duels won. He's really, he makes it really difficult for any forward that tries to hold the ball up. He's not, he's not just, and not just in the fact that he can, you know, bulldoze them over because he is so big. He's also very good at just kind of getting his foot in the right area to poke the ball away. He does that quite a lot. And he's, yeah, he's just like he's just so much more dependable now than he than he used to be. I mean, he still can be a bit cumbersome, and when he makes an ass of himself, it is it still like looks quite spectacular because at an Ashtiller falling down is quite a sight to behold. And he could maybe do a little better when he get when players run at him in space, but then most centre halves are going to kind of struggle at that because they're naturally kind of bigger players going up against usually kind of nimble and elusive you know, wingers or, or forwards. But overall, I just, I've been very impressed with him this season. Like I say, first in the league in aerial dual percentage, he's 11th in interceptions and 20th in shots blocked. So he's, he's following a, quite a lot of the stat sheet there as well. And yeah, well well done, Ash. You, you, you went away, you learned, you came back and you're a better player. I think that's a pretty astute uh, analysis of, of, of Taylor. Again, I, it's weird that, when I've watched Aberdeen games, I've not really noticed him. And it's probably actually worked in his favour because when you have this perception of Ash Taylor as a kind of a bungling centre half, I've not noticed, I've not once watched Aberdeen and thought he's had a stinker. And I think it's, again, when it comes to this list, I had them in my long list prior to the 12, and it was just a case of I like Considine and McKenna more. Right, who's your number seven? My number seven is John Guffrey. I have him one place higher. Yes, so again, he falls into this this uh, mini league of four where he could have uh, placed anywhere. But I think he's he's been quite uh he's he's been quite underrated this season outside Livingston and been quite a nice story because I remember when Livingston signed him, there was a lot of Walsall fans were in Livy's mentions and basically saying either good luck and or thank you. For for take basically uh, taking him off uh, off their hands, but he has been so reliable for Livingston. Not just that, he has uh, provided a really good goal threat from set pieces. You know how big, um, how important corners and throw-ins are for Levy. But as as a as a defender, he's everything you want 
when you've lost both Halkett and Gallagher. He's came in, he's been reliable, his position's really good. There, there's, he's a player who, in terms of the way Livingston play, I don't think he has a weakness. He, he's not, I wouldn't say he's, he's not the quickest, I would say. So that, that's what I'm saying, in the, in, the, in the way that Livingston play, they don't really... Oh, right, yeah, sorry, so he's, he's well, yeah, he's well protected in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're yeah, right there. Yeah, if he gets if he gets caught in open spaces, I think he struggles a bit more. I said the most centre half struggle, but I think he struggles more than most. And I think his reactions mm-hmm. maybe aren't, aren't the quickest sometimes when he gets caught one on one with players. But yeah, if he's if he's in a pack defence, he's exactly the type of player you want. He's a, he's a proper stopper. If the ball goes high into his area, it's either coming straight back or the forwards going down. It, it really, ever seems to pass him by. He's he, he, he's got. One thing I liked about him as well, watching clips of him, is that he's a, he's a very strong tackler. He's got mm-hmm. he's got kind of long legs, and he knows how to use them well. He can kind of hook it round, but he's also somebody who who doesn't mind kind of crunching in as well. I'm a, a big Guthrie fan, and I think it shows that Livingston Livingston's defence be excellent because you say that they lose lose Halkett and Gallagher, they've pretty much lost Liskell for a lot of the season as well. He's he spent a lot of time out through True. injury. Uh, even Nicky Devlin, who came in and was impressed at right back, he spent a lot of time out through injury as well. So they've they've not had their problems to seek in defence, and they've still been one of the best in the league. And I think he's got to take a, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, definitely. And also to Livingston's recruitment. When when you look at the team's recruitment over uh, so the, the the twelve teams over the last few seasons, Livingston's has been has been absolutely excellent. And this is a club who they're obviously going to have to take risks, not financial risks in getting players, but uh, risks. Uh, someone who is maybe. Um, as they have done, they've they've brought in players who have had a, a an interesting past, shall we say, or someone or players who have lost their way, or just players who maybe are a bit unfashionable. They come to Livingston, and it's a great ground for them to find a find a platform to really kind of elevate the or accentuate the, their uh, their positives or qualities. And I think that's epitomised with John Guffrey. Right, my number seven is Nikola Katic. We've, we've talked about him already. I just love the fact how, how much he attacks the ball with gusto in the air. He really, he's not only a tall guy, he's also got a really good kind of leap on him as well. So he can really tower above players. And when he gets a clean head on the ball, it pretty much just nods it right up to Alfredo Morelos with, with one mm. movement. And I watched the three Rangers centre-backs, other than Goldson, very closely to kind of try to separate them apart. And to me, Kaj just seems the best of the, the three uh, comfortably. And I know he makes his mistakes at ease. And he was very poor in that St. Johnson game. And he maybe has these games. So maybe the other two are a bit more dependable in the fact that you're not going to get a, a, a kind of stinker on that level out of them. But I just think in terms of actual talent, I think Kaj is just way ahead of the, the pair of them. And I'm a, a, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty... Pretty big cottage fan. I like the fact as well that he's, well, he's not, you know, you say he's not the best with the ball and he needs to know where to pass it a bit more. I like the fact he's two-footed, which is rare uh, for uh, a centre-half in Scotland, let's say. Right, uh, number six, uh, I've got John Guthrie, as you've said. So who's your number six? Mine is Andrew Considine. Right, I didn't pick Considine just because I found it very, very hard to narrow this down to 12, so much so that I got two players in. So I didn't pick Considine on the basis that He's only played about seven times at centre-half this season and I knew you were going to talk about him anyway, so it didn't really matter. I would I would, I would, argue that he, he's played more than seven times at centre-back. But I, mean, I, think we're, he's, we're, we're... 
I think I looked, at sta- I looked at his stats and wife's if, if that's a, an accurate reflection because it's got like position played in each match. Yeah, I think he only started seven. It was about seven. Okay, he, okay. He's, so um, he's, he's moved to centre half in a few games. That that means uh, that means, and I know I should have looked at play um, wise here because transfer markets for stuff like this is so unreliable. But anyway, uh, I think the reason we've put uh, reason for cons tonight is that this is this is a combination of the past two seasons where I think Aberdeen fans have recognised he has been their best centre back at the, he's been the best centre back at the club, and and it almost elevates some the fact that. He has been so reliable, both at centre back and, and and left back. That shouldn't that shouldn't be a reason just to pick him as as a top centre back. But he is one of those players who, the longer they, the, the, the longer he plays, the more you appreciate him. Because in, in previous years, he kind of used to be just uh, you like have. Ten players and room for room for Constantine. He was unfashionable. He 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 did. He was one of those who who did a job. And I would almost have him in the the kind of uh, the role, the John O'Shea role when he was at Man United, where he would just kind of fill in where needed because he is he isn't a left. I just don't see him as a left back just because of not in a traditional sense because he he doesn't uh doesn't bomb up and down the wing. But as a centre back, I think he, he reads the game really well. He he's not as big or physically as imposing as Taylor and McKenna, but he holds his own against strikers really well. Maybe not in the in the physical sense, but just the way he reads the game, the way he backs off, the way he uses his body as well. And then you add into his his goal threat. Again, he's not this imposing centre back, but he seems to just come up with uh, come up with massive goals. I, th- I think he is. I think this is this is reward for just being so consistent and taking himself into kind of legendary status at, at Aberdeen. I mean, that's all fair enough. I, I'm a big fan of Codson and have been for years, so I don't really have anything to add to that. Like you say, if we, if we were pushed into doing a uh, up, like the top 12 that we used to we would actually come up with a definitive list and, and post it on the Scotsman then I, I would have included them somewhere but I just I was just finding it very hard there was just too many players yeah. I wanted to talk about and I knew you would uh, definitely have them on uh, right so I'm, I'm going to assume we've both got the same top 5 and it's just going to be the order in which we have them so I think who's so. Your, yeah who's your number 5 Stuart Finlay same oh ok there we go I don't think it's been don't think it's been is be- it's certainly not as good a season as last season for Stuart Finlay, but he is he's, he's someone who you have to take uh, remember that when Steve Clark came in, Finlay was I think mainly used to left back, and he was someone who was criticised by the, the 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 Kelly fans. I certainly know remember one game where he uh, where he was getting dogs abuse. And he never really settled at left back. He kind of going back to Constantine. He looked, he looked like uh, looked like almost what you would probably expect Constantine to be at left back. I just, I, I just think he looked out of place. But as soon as he went to uh, centre back, he's got, he's got those. Uh, he's, he's the big thing. He's got a lot, a lot of pace. I think he reads a bit, uh, reads the game well. I think he could potentially be a bit more. A bit more physical. I think he needs to be a much stronger. I think he's, he's been let down a few times. 
remember, certainly remember coming against uh, Morelos and at times against Hearts, where he has he's allowed himself to get too close to the striker and find himself in difficult positions. But other than that, he's he, he, I just think he's a very good player. Yeah, his, his composure as well is maybe the one thing you didn't mention that he's got in spades. And I certainly agree, that's that's the knock on him and why I didn't have him higher than the, the two players in front of him on this list is that he does lack that physical quality. And aerial as well, only 56% uh, success rate in the air, which is pretty pish for a centre-half, especially in Scotland. And that is, and I think to your point of him maybe not having a great season, I think he misses a good foil beside him. So... Del Fabro is a decent player. Uh, he's certainly played reasonable enough. I assume they made your 19 long list. Yes. Yeah, but Del Fabro is a kind of player similar to Finlay. He's not very physical. He's not very good in the air. So he's composed in the ball. He's an intelligent centre-half. And I think just the best partnerships to bring out the best in each player, you kind of need almost your opposite. So I, that's so I think Finlay is much more at home with somebody who somebody like Kirk Broadfoot or Alex Bruce as as opposed to Del Fabro. And obviously I mean I mean Kirk I mean Broadfoot, you know, he's it, when he was like playing at his best under Clark two years ago, I think Broadfoot's probably a bit too old now to to be that uh, dependable uh, deputy uh, and to that he should be playing ahead of Del Fabro. But that's maybe held him back a little this season and that they, they don't they now kinda lack that towering presence at the back that they that they had. Number four. Yeah, I think that. I think. I think. Sorry, I I think there's a lot in that. Right. Who is your number four? However, Connor Golton. Same. Ah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) This would be interesting if we could get it right down to number one. This. What what, what do you make of Golton? Golton is sometimes really hard to fathom. If if he was up until certainly up until. This, coming back from the winter break, he probably would have been a place or two higher, and it just seemed like the arse fell out of him. He's, he's, I've kind of got a love hate relationship with Conor Golson, and uh, he's, he's definitely got qualities. He's had games, especially in Europe, where he's just had absolute stormers, where he just seems to read the game so well. His anticipation is excellent. He, he's decent in the air. He can obviously he's got great composure on the ball. I think his passing's maybe a little bit. I think he fancies himself as a really great ball playing centre half. I don't think his passing is actually that great. It's it's good. It's progressive. It's just not as accurate as maybe it should be. And but he's got he's got a lot of tools and he's obviously got a great pedigree and he really should be like up there and considered always considered one of the best centre halves in this country. I mean we've got him fourth, but I'm I meaning like. Uh, like to rival the Celtic boys, who we're obviously going to get on it and talk about that he should be in that conversation, and I don't think he is at the moment. And I think it is because he has these, he has maybe these not necessarily spells, but he has games where he does look poor, and he's you kind of you go against him, and you think, well, are you are you worth the hype? Surely you should be better than this. And he's just he'll make he'll make decision making mistakes on the ball, and he'll make you know positional mistakes. And it's not really indicative of him as a player. He just seems to have these these games or these moments where he, he lets himself down. I think the, the big one, obviously, the most recent one was the the Hamilton game. There's a, times where I think he he thinks he's a better player than he is. He has he kind of believes he's he's his own hype. Definitely, there's there's no question about it. I think he is a 
a really, really good centre-back, there's still room for improvement in there to be an even better centre-back. You look at the you look at his body shape when he came in like that. He he is someone who can can dominate not quite in this uh, almost like a poor man's uh, Virgil Van Dyke, a very poor man's Virgil Van Dyke. I should re- <laughs> reiterate that he can dominate both physically, uh, but also do so by looking so much at ease and then get on the ball and really force uh, force games. I just I don't think he's I don't think he's maybe lived up to that expectation I had of him when I came in, How what I read about him from, from, from down south. But the thing is, Stephen Gerrard absolutely loves him because I think he's played in every single game, started every single game but one for Rangers this season. And it was I think it was a, a, a League Cup game that you can clearly tell that he is one of Gerrard's trustworthy worthy players and I think it says something that out of all the centre-backs he's the only one who's not had time on the sidelines which I think some Rangers fans would have liked but there's obviously something in there that, that, that Gerard Michael Beale see that he needs to play Right, your number three This is a this is where I think we could uh, differ but I've gone for Declan Gallagher No, I've got Declan Gallagher as well No, oh, okay I, I was confused. I wasn't sure because of your uh, praise from on the the on the sh- on the uh, view from the terrace. In our last episode, we did, I think. Yes, I mean, yeah, Gallagher's a great player, but I, I don't know if he's quite at the level of the the spoiler alert two Celtic boys that we've got ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, Gallagher. Gallagher's been been excellent this season, and he's uh, he's a player who's at twenty nine finally reached his potential that he should have done years ago. Obviously, he had the you know, he had he, he had his jail spell where he, he was sentenced to jail for assaulting somebody with a baseball bat. Uh, so I'm not saying he's the nicest human being in the world, uh, but he is certainly somebody with a lot of football potential. And not just that, uh, not just his, you know, his, his assault uh, charge, conviction and uh, incarceration, but also I think he turned down a contract at Dundee and ended up kind of, I think it was when... Was it when Dundee were heading into the top flight or just heading out the top flight or something like that? He, he turned down a deal when it was just daft. I, I, I don't know if he'd been advised poorly, but he, he ended up like dropping down the divisions. And it just, for somebody of his immense ability, he really, he's kind of, there's always a few players you wish you could like point to and say, you should have a do-over of your career. And he's certainly one of them because he's, he's, he's for somebody who's about six foot three, he's very athletic, quite quick. Uh, can play with the ball so much so that he can operate well at fullback. He's a threat in the opposing box. He reads the game pretty well, and he's just got most of the tools you want. And if he was five years younger, I think we'd all be very excited about Declan Gallagher as a possible answer to Scotland's centre-back problems. But at 29, this is probably him already at his peak. Yeah, I, I think he's potentially he's, he's potentially talked about that uh, that before. That uh, there's 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 not much I, I can really add to it. I think he, I think he, he there's the way the only point he's regressed this season is when Motherwell, when Robinson and Motherwell hit that sticky patch where they had to kind of change that uh, change thing around. But with with Gallic, he's he's been the almost ever present, and you know with him that he's a big thing is his versatility that he can play as a a centre back and a two, a centre back and a three, or as a right back, and in each position, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get full commitment. You're when you look at Gallagher and his 
his bravado defender. But when a when a when a Scottish defender has a bit of bravado, uh, has that bit of needle, which Gallagher has, we've seen it with Levy telling basically Rangers to uh, Rangers players to fuck off. That you, you think of him just as a no nonsense centre back. He has that part of his game to it. But I, I love the the fact that he, he kind of allies it with the with the more you'd say continental style. The, uh, the, uh, the more progressive centre back, where he can, he can not only he's not only score but contribute in certainly the middle third. Right, let's get on. We're, on, we're kind of going over a little here, so let's get to our number two. We could differ here, maybe, but I don't think we will. I've gone for Christopher Julian. Yeah, I've got the same. So we've got the yeah. exact same top five, unless you've pulled one at the bag for number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, right. So Christopher Julian and our number one is obviously Christopher Iyer. So what made you separate those two? I like Christopher Iyer more. Yeah, I, I actually think he's, think... Got, he's got he's got more potential. He, he certainly has more potential. I actually think Julian has probably had a better season. I don't think Iyer's had the best season. And maybe yep. something that illustrates that is that I talk about like uh, how good they are in the air. Uh, Christopher Iyer's percentage last season was 75.84 which I think might have been number one in the league it was at least certainly very high up there this season he's dropped down to 69% and I wonder you get these stories for his agent saying that he wants to leave in the summer I wonder if this year he's just kind of taken his eye off the ball ever so slightly because he, he's not been quite at his best still been very good um, I'd still probably put him if I had to do a team of the season, I'd maybe have Gallagher ahead of him just to kind of mix things up a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would certainly be th- uh, third choice behind uh, Julian and Gallagher if I, I was doing that. But uh, like the same as you, I, I just think overall he's, he's a better better player than Julian. He's, he's certainly a, he's a better footballer, great at one of his best assets. And the again, poor man's, this is just poor man's, not very poor man's, Virgil van Dijk, and his ability to, yeah. to dribble the ball out in defence and to really make an impact on the game in the final third. He's also he, just such a, a, a cool, calm defender who who really makes mistakes, really get really gives away fouls, just somebody who, with the exception of, he doesn't have much pace. If he had a bit more pace, I would say he could be the next Virgil van Dijk. But the fact that he, he's missing that kind of... You know that that step over 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 ten yards that Van Dyke clearly has is probably going to hold him back from reaching close to that level. But he can certainly, you know, be a very good starter for a you know middle of the pack English Premier League club. I think he has. He's he's got that at the moment. He's got the with with Virgil Van with, with Virgil Van Dyke watching him in Scotland. I know people say, oh, well, it, was, it was Scotland. You knew he was destined for the top, that he didn't need that middle step. He didn't need to go to Southampton. You know, watching him for Celtic, that he was ready to go straight from straight from Celtic to an elite elite team. That's it's, I don't think that's the case with Ayer. I think he does need that step. If he was to move down south, he would need that step to go to, he would need to go to a Southampton. He would need to go to an Everton or another um, kind of mid-table club before making... Kind of almost proving himself to the, the elite teams in England before making that step. I always think he'd be a very interesting signing. I know AC Milan have been uh, talked about. I think it'd be a very interesting signing for them because I think they're trying to rejuvenate their team. I think they've got, they've got a new management team coming in the in the in the summer, and he's the type of player that you'd you, you can. He's young. He's a sellable asset, but who has uh, has got plenty of experience, plenty of winning mentality, and plenty of quality. 
there's three things that really annoy me about Christopher. The first one is when he's played at right back. I can understand why Neil Lennon or managers would play him at right back because he has, um, we've seen it with the goal against Mullerwell, the goal against Aberdeen, that ability to just cover ground, uh, cover a lot of ground uh, quickly, get up and down the, the wing and he, he can he can play full back. But I think he's very he's at his very best in, his, uh, in the centre. Secondly, He's, he's he's an arrogant fucker. <laughs> I think sometimes he, I think sometimes that's that's when against him this season where he's he's been too uh, too concentrated on uh, speaking to the ref if there's been a bad challenge or going straight across the ref or con- confronting op- uh, opposition players. I don't mind that in a player, but just the manner he does it. I remember I think it was at St Johnston. Neil Lennon snapped him and told him to uh, get up and uh, just just basically play. I just want Ayer to concentrate more on being that talented player I know he is. And then the, the main thing that's annoyed me this season is that, yeah, his standards have slipped and he hasn't shown, he hasn't kicked on from last season because I know in there there's, there is this absolutely fantastic player that arguably one of the best, if not the best, in Scotland. Yes. So we should probably talk a little bit about Julian before we finish. Uh, Julian might have got number one spot if he hadn't been embarrassed twice on television by Lyndon Dykes. Yes. I mean, Celtic, their centre-back partnership, fair play to them because they, uh, uh, they're, 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 um, they're very arrogant and very confident, which as if, if I was a Celtic fan, I would absolutely love because I was um, slating higher there. But if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be, I'd be loving them getting in the ear of other players. Julian's got a bit of that, a bit of that about him as well. But he's also he's also one of those players who's is so so good. I think you've seen it with the Dykes incidents where he can have these games where he just looks so average. That's maybe the reason why he's in Scotland rather than in England. Because when he's on top of his game, he is another he's another fantastic, fantastic centre back who has all those just all those attributes you want for uh, uh, for your for your centre defender. Yeah, dominant, I think, is the word you can use him when he's at his best, and in both boxes as well. I mean, he's yes. such a such an attacking threat from... Hart's from... tried to, to zone mark against him. Mental. <laughs> Absolutely mental. Right, uh, that'll do us. Uh, we've got a little bit over, but I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. We've got loads of content going up there. And that's it. Joel, say goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm Craig Fowler saying goodbye and stay safe, everybody. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.